Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you are addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher. I'm a Dynasty Freak. That means I love drafting and trading and scouting and managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So do you. So let's talk some Dynasty episode number 243. Well, I'm back from my Dynasty Freaks weekend at the lake. I could finally watch all of the week two preseason games this week. Took me a little bit to catch up. You know, want to consider them from a Dynasty perspective. In addition, recording this on Friday night before the Friday night preseason games. So I've watched the two Thursday night preseason games and just wanted to comment on a number of the things that happened. You know, in most cases, we'll see. It's going to depend what happens this weekend. But in week three, which is kind of like the new week four in the preseasons of years past, not many of the top players play. But you never know what's going to happen this weekend. It's still going to be fun to watch and glean all that we can from a dynasty perspective. I've really enjoyed watching all the games from week two and thinking about particularly the first year, second year players, as well as some dumpster dive kind of players that we might consider. That's what this podcast is going to be about. So hope that you enjoy it. Here's some of my dynasty thoughts on several players after watching these preseason games and just kind of following the training camp reports. We'll start with quarterbacks. We'll go running backs. Then we'll go receivers and tight ends. No particular order. But here we go with number one on the quarterback front. Let's talk about Brock Purdy. Amazingly, Purdy, you know, returned from injury to start his first preseason game. And what's more impressive is that he's earned a starting role over two first-round draft picks. It's pretty crazy. And after only playing eight NFL games as the last player that was drafted in the 2022 draft. Amazing. He looked, you know, looked the part again that we led the team just on a field goal drive. It was just his first drive of preseason action. But still... Uh, amazing that he's actually won the job, has named the court and starting quarterback, has returned from injury. It's his job to lose. Man, I remember the dismay that I felt last year in a playoff run that I was making in a 14-team super flex league when Purdy was picked up off the waiver wire and he was ordered, he was uh, offered to me as a first-round draft pick in a draft. In this particular league, I only had one quarterback going into the playoffs because all my quarterbacks had been injured and plus was pretty thin at quarterback. And I just thought, man, I can't do it because I'm just not convinced that he's going to be the starter for the 49ers next year. But, man, whoever took the bets on him is a wiser, or maybe you could say luckier, wiser or luckier dynasty manager than me because Purdy became one of the most surprising of all quarterbacks last year, you know, in super flex leagues, posed to continue where he picked off before he was injured last year, you know, during that surprise, you know, playoff run they made. There's nothing better, you know, in super flex leagues than a surprise starting quarterback that's found off the waiver wire. Like, that's insane when that happens. And so Purdy was one of the most insane players that we could point to this last year. And I missed on him. I'll admit, I missed it. I didn't take any of those trades. I'll just say I missed it. Good for Purdy and good for Mike Shanahan, who's, you know, kind of pulling a Pete Carroll like he did with Russell Wilson. He's willing to start the best quarterback that he thinks, despite their draft capital, despite their financial investment. Pretty amazing that this guy can come off the waiver wire. Props to all of you Dynasty Freaks who have him, particularly in Superflex leagues, and have him on your roster now. It's like a free quarterback. Those are so rare when they come along. Not quite a free quarter, free waiver wire quarterback, but we'll talk about Jordan Love. But Love was actually on the waiver wire in many leagues, particularly obviously one quarterback leagues, but even in some two quarter quarterback leagues. 
because at one point or another, since he was drafted in 2020, three years ago, he sat behind Aaron Rodgers, just waiting while Rodgers continued to battle contract disputes and decide whether he was going to retire or not, or what was going to happen. Just the, the wait on Jordan Love was so long that so many people, even in Superflex leagues, uh, many passed him up. And so not quite the waiver wire darling that Purdy was, but Jordan Love, if you had him and you waited on him or if you picked him off of waivers, it's looking good. Uh, you know, even after Rodgers was traded and Love was handed the starting role, I'll be honest, I was I was not confident in Love. I wasn't confident that he'd become the viable starter in fantasy lineups and I even questioned whether he, you know, could keep the starting job. You know, a few weeks ago I talked about on this podcast how impressed I was by Sean Clifford, the rookie that's behind Love in the lineup. That said, Love has played really well. He's played a lot more preseason reps than a lot of the other starting quarterbacks. Uh, still, he's led the team on touchdown drives and distributed the ball well to his first and second year pass catchers, something that I also thought would limit Love uh, since his pass catchers are so inexperienced. But their inexperience has not been a problem in the preseason games, at least. Love has uh, pass catchers have real command of the offense. Both of them do, Love and the pass catchers. He looked well enough to prove that he could, you know, it's basically his starting job to lose. And I think it would take a few terrible, terrible outings for Coach LaFleur to make a change uh, that would, you know, make him want to go to the rookie Clifford behind him. Uh, Rodgers, understudy, if you want to call him that, even though it sounds like Rodgers didn't really help him that much, his understudy has every right to prove himself, especially after he's played so well in the preseason. His, you know, couple drives he's had in these last games have been great. Jordan Love, uh, man, if you got him in the Superflex League, that's great. If you got him in a, in a one-quarterback league, still great just to see what happens. But steal in the Superflex League if you picked him up, if he happened to be dropped um, after those seasons behind Rodgers. Moving to running backs now, we'll talk Javante Williams. Sean Payton told reporters, you know, that Williams would play in the second preseason game, and he wasn't bluffing. Uh, he rushed the ball three times. He had four catches and five targets although he had a terrible drop pass on the very first play of their first possession, uh, proving, I think, too, that Peyton wanted to get Williams involved. Like, from the jump, the first play was called for him. Uh, Williams didn't look amazing, but he proved that, you know, at least he's ready to play. And, you know, that's a thrill if you're a dynasty manager and you have him, who at various times this offseason thought that he could be very limited in his role this season. Uh, Coach Peyton, I do believe he's going to rotate the backs this season. Yeah, more Williams, you know, more than Williams dynasty managers would like, even more than Piran dynasty managers would like. Still, Piran, I don't think he's going to dominate touches at the start of the season like like many people thought that he would. I think Williams and Piran should split carries about 50-50 to start the bulk of the season until Williams starts to take over. But it looks like for me, Williams is going to be more involved in the passing game, which is going to make him a little bit more productive fantasy week fantasy player week to week. You know, you know, which is a surprise if. You know, Dynasty owners, it looks like he's going to actually have some influence here at the start of the season, and I bet it's going to grow as the season goes on. So good to all those who are patient to wait, wait for Williams. Not a great outing, this first outing, but still just seeing him on the field was something just to say there's there's something there. He's going to be back. He's going to be back earlier than we thought. So that's good news in and of itself. Other running backs here, talk about two at once, Brian Robinson and, and Antonio Gibson. Uh, you know, after finding... Himself in what I called Coach uh, Rivera's doghouse last season, Antonio Gibson, he really seems poised to have more of a re reliable role in the offense this season. In the preseason games, Gibson and Robinson have almost split like 50-50 with the first-team reps, and I thought Gibson was going to take the passing downs role, leaving the first and second down role reps primarily to Robinson. However, Robinson's been more involved in the passing game during these first preseason games, including Monday night when he had kind of a, 
a really good, you know, action in that record-breaking, we'll call it jokingly, record-breaking win of the Ravens, who've not lost a preseason game since 2015. But the point from a dynasty perspective is that Robinson and Gibson are two, you know, of the best late-round running backs in redraft leagues, I think, this year. But I think their split roles uh, are really going to limit them and their dynasty value this season. But even so, even though I feel like they're both limited, I feel like they're both rising in my dynasty rankings because Gibson had fallen so far, thinking that he was really in the doghouse and was not going to have much of a role with the team. I think his role is going to increase, moving him up my dynasty rankings. And Robinson looked like he'd just kind of be you know, inactive in the passing game and maybe just be like a first and second down back. But now he's caught a bunch of balls in the first you know, couple of preseason games. I'm starting to wonder if these are just a you know one-two punch that each have equal roles, no no distinction between the two. So they appear to be yet another tandem. You know, dynasty managers will be hate this, fantasy managers will be hate it. You know, when there's these tandem backs where they both kind of split things 50-50, it looks like they're going to be a new one of the NFL's genuine split backfields, and both be involved in the rushing and passing game. Even so, their dynasty stock is moving in my eyes because Gibson had fallen. And now he's going to have a bigger role because Robinson is going to get more involved in the passing game, which also means a bigger role. A couple more running backs here. Uh, Jalen Warren. Warren, man, he's one of the most talked about players, if not the most talked about players in the preseason. After scoring touchdowns in two of the three preseason games, while data analysts punch holes like crazy in Najee Harris's production profile over the last two years. Truths that the buzz about Warren has built, you know, built up. To the degree that Steelers offensive coordinator emphatically told reporters that Harris is their every down back. Well, this evidence is pretty questionable, though, if judging by preseason games, which is, you know, not definitive, but where Warren, you know, has definitely been their third down back, and he's just been far more productive overall. Warren played much more than Harris in the preseason, you know, because he played with some of the second team guys too, but their first season reps were close as well. 16 for Harris, 12 for Warren. Uh, there's going to be more competition for this backfield and the coaching staff, even if they're kind of vehemently de- denying it. I think it's going to be more than they're letting on. And that's why I'm pleased to have Warren as my second most rostered player in all my dynasty leagues, seven of my nine rosters. So it's going to be really fun to see what happens with him in the season. Warren has definitely looked great. A couple more running backs, Keontae Ingram. So I got to admit when I'm wrong, I'll boast when I'm right, like I was with Warren. I'll also admit when I'm wrong, because a few weeks ago, I talked about how Corey Clement was my favorite handcuff to James Conner. Still, after watching the Cardinals' second preseason game, it was actually pretty obvious to me that the far better back is Ingram, and that he should earn the backup role behind Conner. Uh, he did nothing outstanding, uh, but watching the two of them, you know, back-to-back and game-to-game, it just did not look like the two of them were, were very good. Ingram's legs and were much better. He had far greater bursts. If I'm wrong, I like to admit it, and I recommended picking up Clement off the waiver wire a few weeks ago. I did in a lot of leagues, but now I've dropped him from almost all those leagues after watching this game. I've kept him in one or two of my very, very deepest leagues just in case. But uh, Ingram's unavailable off the waiver wire. You know, wise dynasty managers kept him on their roster just in case because of his youth. Uh, but managers held on, held on to him. I think they're actually going to get far more productive games this year than they thought. The Cardinals, you know, traded two more of their players away this week for draft picks. They're continuing to single the signal to the entire league that they are tanking this season. And if they're tanking, I expect that there's going to be a lot more younger players that get to see playing time. That would include 
Clayton Toon, who's probably going to start a lot of quarterback. Michael Wilson, who's going to start right away at wide receiver. And that would also mean Ingram. I don't think he'll start ahead of Connor, but he's going to have a lot of chances to prove himself in this year while the Cardinals continue to tank. So he's not going to help maybe in the long run, but I think he's going to be way more of a help this year. Kind of what I thought Clement might do, but I've changed my tune. Forgive me for my misleading you a few weeks ago. I'm trying to lead you in the right way now. Ingram looks better. Can't call him a Longhorn. He's not a Longhorn. He used to be. Next, Damian Pierce. Uh, I'm not a fan of Pierce. I wasn't a fan of him in his rookie drafts last year. His college production was way too weak for me to draft him, where others were willing to draft him based on his landing spot in Houston. Uh, where the backfield, backfield depth chart you know, was wide open. That's why people drafted him. I admittedly regretted it as the season started last year when he started so hot and felt more justified. But, but I felt more justified when his injuries started to plague him and his workload decreased. Now, however, I'm back to admitting that I'm wrong. Uh, his landing spot his opportunity were enough to prove me wrong. But now his skills, his potential new involvement in the passing game, I think we're going to prove that I actually missed on him pretty badly. Pierce was heavily involved in the per, you know, with the first team offense, even in passing downs, which is something new. And he lost weight this year to get more involved in the passing game. He's made some comments with reporters about why he did so. It's pretty encouraging. And this new offensive coordinator, you know, that's what he wants and what he expects from his running backs in that kind of San Francisco system. When Houston signed Devin Singletary, I assumed that they wanted a complimentary back, but now I think Singletary is strictly the backup. And Pierce is the every down back for Houston. In an offense, it's going to improve significantly with their new coaches specifically, but also with their new quarterback. Uh, Pierce has now become one of the players that I'm really going to try to trade for this week, one of the players I'm going to try to trade for the most for sure. A couple more running backs here, Tajay Spears and Tanks Bigsby. Tank Bigsby, we'll talk about them together. Uh, next week, what I'm going to do, which is going to be really fun on my podcast next week, which I do every time this year, I do my final rookie draft, my final rookie draft uh, rankings. It's the only league, the only league where I actually have um, my ranking, my, or I have a draft, is the very last one of the year, my Dynasty Freaks, which we do over Labor Day weekend. Like I said, we were at the lake last weekend because we couldn't do the draft then, but we postponed our draft until uh, this uh, Labor Day weekend. So next week, what I'm going to do is I'm going to adjust my rookie rankings, moving them from where I've had them. They've been kind of in solid state since May, since my last rookie draft. And I highly suspect when I start doing this process that Spears and Bigsby are going to be among the players that I move up the most. Both, you know, I had kind of as early second round picks. I think they're going to move up into that in that category for sure. Spears had a ridiculous, ridiculously athletic touchdown last week, just hurtling over defender while he increased his yards per carry to 8.1 in that game. You know, he's no Derrick Henry, a very different type of back, but he's that different kind of back that I think his quickness and juice are really going to mean a lot for him. The Titans are going to be silly. I think they'd be silly uh, given, you know, that maybe this knee issue that he really has does mean his shelf life is short too. If that's the case, they have to get him involved with Henry. And they're going to spare Henry. They need to do that just to give him a share of his carries. But besides that, if you think about the one-two punch of Henry's bully running to compare to uh, Spears' quick darty running, it could be really fun to see them in the backfield together. Uh, as for Bigsby, uh, his drum beat has been building ever since training camp started, and he certainly earned a role behind uh, the team backing up Travis Etienne. Bigsby was one thought, once thought to be among the top Debbie running backs, and if you follow me long, I always like to keep track of those guys. The guys that were once thought to be a great Debbie prospect, even maybe the top running back among the Debbie class, 
you know, then they start to fall a little bit, others rise up a little bit, but I keep note of who those people have thought, and Bigsby was one of them. I always like to remember that. I try to keep players like that higher than most of my rankings, but this time I actually failed to keep uh, to keep Bigsby high enough. So I really think that Spears and Bigsby are going to be two of the top players that bump up my rankings when I do this final draft, or, you know, when I do this final thing with my uh, rookie rankings right before my draft. And by the way, if you're listening, Dynasty Freaks, I'm taking, I'm rank, re-ranking them, taking them off the board so you can't use them to snipe against me in our rookie draft that starts on Friday. It's going to be fun. One more running back. You've heard me talking about him a lot this offseason. It looked great again in preseason week two, Sean Tucker. Tucker's been, like I said, one of my most targeted players after falling from the first round of my rookie rankings. First round he was in my rookie rankings, but then the NFL Combine and then the NFL Draft and then he moved way down because he became a fourth or fifth round pick in the dra- in my rookie drafts because he didn't get drafted and he signed a UDFA contract with the Buccaneers. Uh, Tucker would have been a day two pick in the draft, but teams discovered that he had some sort of a medical issue with his heart before the draft, and since then he's dropped so much. But now he's been cleared to play, and there's no doubt that he's going going to make the team by season's end. I really can that can know that he's going to do that, and I think he's not only going to do that, he's going to compete for a starting role. Beat reporters actually tweeted today, on Friday, Friday the 25th, that he was splitting reps with the first team this week. After playing well in his second season, uh, second preseason game, he had 55 yards combined, including three catches for 18 yards. He's great in the passing game. You know, Tucker is the Buccaneers' best runner. I'm confident of that. You know, and he's no slouch in the passing game either. Rashad White, that's his best game. You know, he's going to hold on to the passing role if they do start switch roles. That's his strength. But Tucker is, you know, a far better runner, and he's very good in the passing game as well. I'm confident that Tucker is going to make the team before the, you know, the cuts come down on Tuesday, and I think he's actually going to move up the depth chart quickly as the season begins to unfold. Very excited about Tucker. Hope you got him. It's too late if not, probably, but maybe he's still on the waiver wire. You can make a late late trade with, with your guys. Let's talk a couple receivers now. Two at once, uh, Romeo Dobbs and Jalen Reed, two of the Packers receivers. Dobbs didn't score in week one like he did in week two, but he received the Packers' biggest play, a 42-yard reception. And the Dob, you know, the drumbeat for Dobbs, it's just been pounding and pounding and pounding all during training camp. And he and rookie tight end Luke Musgrave have become what most camp reporters are saying are his two favorite targets in training camp. And the preseason games have confirmed such reports because he has been heavily targeted by them. As for Jaden Reed, he's solidified the slot role for the Packers, and he's earning his share of targets and with the recipient of the touchdown pass in week two of the preseason. You know, training camp reports are more, more glowing around Dobbs, Reed, and Musgrave than they have been around Christian Watson, which is pretty interesting. These dynasty managers might get a little bit concerned at this point. Still love Watson, feel like he's going to be their big play guy, but like I've said in a few other podcasts, you know, Dobbs and Musgrave, I think they're going to be the top targets. Uh, Watson's going to make, you know, I argued a few weeks ago, the Watsons, you know, might score. Dobbs has got to have the most, you know, fantasy points, but Watson might have the most touchdowns. We're going to see. Depends if you're in a PPR league or, or a touchdown league only. It's going to be interesting to see. But man, Dobbs, Musgrave, Reed, they have been off the charts during all the training camp reports. A couple little deep dives now as we move to one more receiver and a couple tight ends. Deami Brown for the for the Commanders for Washington. Uh, Brown was a player that I added as a stash after Monday night's game where he scored a touchdown, but more importantly, Terry McLaurin got injured. And in a 14-team, I added him actually weeks ago after reports, you know, about his rapport with his former teammate, Sam Howell. 
You know, Brown's a player that I like way more than other dynasty managers. And after being drafted in the third round of 20, drafted him a lot in the third round of the 2021 draft, uh, rookie draft. Even remember trading up to get him in one draft. But he definitely failed to make a starting role, was dropped from all of my teams, sadly. And, you know, now he's kind of buried in the depth chart, particularly after uh, they drafted Jahan Dotson. That's basically what I gave up on De'Ami Brown. But he's got this one last opportunity. You know, he's got his, his former college back that he, you know, at the helm. Possible lingering entry to Terry McLaurin and an aging Curtis Samuel ahead of him on the depth chart. You know, he ran a couple, you know, number of routes with the first team on Monday night, and he could press for a role. Granted, he's a very, very deep sleeper at this point, but I had him in a lot of my deep leagues after that Monday night game, and uh, so did a couple other savvy dynasty managers in leagues. I saw them uh, do so as well. You know, we still got a lot of my league's roster cut, so he's definitely a bottom of the roster guy that could get cut when things get going. But I want to add him uh, basically to see what happens with McLaurin's injury. But even if McLaurin, you know, gets a good report that he's going to come back, Brown would be a player that I would consider keeping on my team as the very, very last of the roster guy. That's going to be hard when it comes time to cut rosters here in a bit, but we'll see. Two tight ends to mention, uh, one on the positive, one on the negative. Negative side would be Chig, Conquo. Uh, man, after sneaking onto the scene last season, Chig was one of my most rostered players. Uh, he was targeted downfield more than any other tight end last year, and he showed incredible athleticism. If he could do that in his rookie season, I thought, man, he's just going to improve. I'm beginning to have a little bit of doubts. You'll see, but not tons. I don't want to read too much into it, but he had two terrible, terrible drops in the second preseason game. They were right in his hands, and he dropped them. Uh, the one that he was targeted, you know, he caught downfield. All of them were downfield, but he just dropped two out of three passes. I was already getting a little bit nervous about him when DeAndre Hopkins was signed with the Titans. I knew Chig would get way fewer targets now that he signed with the team, let alone the fact that it's a very run-first team with Derrick Henry, and now the Spears is doing well as, as well. There is the Traylon Burks injury that could help him get some, you know, a little bit more targets early in the season, but if so, he really has to prove that he's more reliable. You know, I'm not going to kill a guy after one bad game, which is a very bad game for him, uh, especially when the team, you know, lacks targets like who else are they going to throw to, especially if Burks is injured for a couple couple weeks. However, the target share, you know, has diminished significantly with Hopkins on the team, so Chick's dynasty value has already moved down a little bit in the offseason, and this preseason week two game did not help at all. I'm going to give, you know, give him a chance here. But I'm actually going to be willing to sell on Chig. But, but you can't really sell on Chig right now unless he has a couple big catches and big games. So you got to kind of wait for him to get a few. Shoot, by what, the time that happens, I might be glad that I have him more to keep him. But a little bit disappointed so far in him, both with his play as well as just some of the, you know, some of the writing on the wall. Thought he'd be, have way more targets in the offense. They've got Hopkins on the team now. Uh, they're still a run first team. Uh, we'll see what happens now. Finally, last player that I would say could be a little dumpster dive, but... The one that I've actually dumpster dive with most during this during this last week has been Cole Turner, a tight end for Washington Turner, who I admit I knew nothing about. Nothing. <laughs> this nothing guy was my most added player this week, especially in tight end premium leagues, where I was happy to get him in two leagues. So fun. Uh, he was a prime target of Sam Howell on Monday night's game. Uh, I went to our lads just to see how they listed him on the depth chart. They've got him third behind Logan Thomas and John Bates. But I saw enough of him on, on Monday night to believe that he could play with the first team uh, like he did on Monday, and he did really well. Logan Thomas continues to battle injuries, as he has for so much of his career, 
and uh, the you know while he was a former player, former favorite player of mine, his dynasty value has just been dying as well as his age. And honestly, I'm uncertain why Jonathan Bates didn't play. I didn't really look up why he didn't play. Maybe they were actually just holding him out. But the whole first team played, and Turner was with the first team. All I know about Turner is that he looked good in his first game watching him that I've ever seen. That he's on a team, you know, where they, you know, he's he could easily climb the depth chart. And I looked into his college production and saw that he scored 9 and 10 touchdowns in his last two seasons at Nevada. Nevada. So all of that meant I added him in all of my deep leagues, except where one manager, that's you, Nick Loy, if you're listening, you sniped me 10 minutes before I logged on to grab him. We texted about it. You know I'm mad. So I got him in all my deep leagues, especially my tight end premium leagues. Can't wait to see what happens uh, beyond this. Cole Turner, very deep dive, but a player worth adding particularly before we have to do any waiver drops this next week. All right. Sorry for the early release. We're going to get back to all Tuesdays here going forward, but I wanted to get this out now to watch the game. Sorry that my schedule got changed a little bit. That's going to be a wrap for this week, my freaky friends. Thanks so much for listening. Make it a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Much better on email than Twitter, so contact me at dynastyfreaks with two E's at gmail.com. I'd love to interact with you, talk with you, appreciate your involvement. I'd be honored if you'd take time to rate and read the podcast. That would mean a lot for me. I am your independent podcaster, so I would appreciate your support. Thanks for listening. I do appreciate your support. I do want to become your most trusted independent voice in the dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there and get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. 